Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. We'll be in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2 today. We looked at the star of Bethlehem last week, and today we're going to look at the gifts of the wise men. We are going through a series called The Signs of Christmas. And the first sign was the star of Bethlehem. How people from a long ways off saw it, they were informed about it, and it took them to Jerusalem. And now we're going to look at these people that came, these magi, these wise men that came to Jerusalem to inquire about a, a king being born, a king of the Jews. <clears throat> you know, many times when it comes to Christmas, we know it's about the birth of Christ, but you can be surprised how Unless we're curious and kind of look at the familiar with a fresh approach, we may assume that we understand the Christmas story, and many times we find we don't understand it as well as we should or as much as we think we do. There was a story many uh, years ago that uh, this small southern town had a beautiful nativity scene in their, in their town, well-lit and, and all the decor was there and everybody come to, to see it and enjoy it. And, some person came from out of town and he stood there and he took it in and it was a beautiful scene and it was well lit and it was well decorated and it was well done. And he got to thinking about what the scriptures say and the Timothy story. But then there was one detail he didn't quite understand. As he looked closer at the scene, he noticed that the wise men had fire hats on. And he's like, I don't get that. So finally he left, and on the way out of town, he stopped at one of those convenience stores, and he walks in and says, y'all have got a beautiful nativity scene. He goes, yeah, it is, isn't it? He goes, but I don't understand one thing. And he goes, what is it? He goes, the fire hat's on the wise men. He says, don't you know what the Scripture says? They came from afar. <laughs> You'll get it in a minute. But how many times do we look at this familiar story and do we see all the details that are there? Well, today we're going to talk about the mystery of the Magi. It says in Matthew 2, After Jesus was, was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men or Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star at the rising and have come to worship him. Now, there's another detail I want you to notice is when we think of the nativity scene, we put them all there. Well, they're part of the Christmas story, but the shepherds that we'll talk about next week, they were there the night Jesus was born. Remember, they were out in the fields, the angels appeared, and they went into Bethlehem to see what was going on, and they saw the baby that had been born. But the Magi came later. Scholars debate on how much later but when they get there, he's not in a manger, he's in a home. Uh, so that's the difference, or a house. So who were these wise men? Well, I want to go back for a moment to the Old Testament, to the book of Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 2, verse 24, it says that Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had assigned to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He came and said to him, Don't destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me before the king, and I will give him the interpretation. Uh, see, God had given the king of Babylon a dream. And all of his wise men came, and they could not interpret it. 
and he was going to kill them. He, he found them useless. You can't, you can't help me with this. You're, you're done. And he, he threatened to destroy them until Daniel, a Hebrew, a Jew, a, 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 a person who was a prophet and who knew the Lord, he stepped forward and said, don't harm those men. I will interpret the king. And that's exactly what Daniel did. And as a result, I would say those wise men like Daniel, wouldn't you? And then we fast forward to Daniel 5, verse 11. And uh, again, there's a conversation uh, uh, about a dream. And someone's talking to the king. He says, there's a man in your kingdom who has a spirit of the holy gods in him. In the days of your predecessor, he was found to have insight, intelligence, and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods. Your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, mediums, Chaldeans, and diviners, your own predecessor, the king. So Daniel, after he interpreted the previous king's dream, he was included in those wise men, and he was elevated to leader of them. Okay. Now, why do I say that? Because of Daniel's great wisdom, because of the favor of God in his life, uh, he pleaded for the lives of those wise men who couldn't interpret the king's dream. He came to be highly regarded among them, and he also was made head over them. And we believe, many Bible scholars believe, that the Magi are connected to that and influenced by that. And so you have this hope of a Messiah that will come. And if you read the writings of Daniel, particularly chapter 9, you can kind of come up with a timeline. And by the time the birth of Christ, I believe they were looking for something and they saw it in the sky. And it was much more than a notion or a hunch that allowed them to take all the time and all the trouble to take a dangerous trip and show up in Jerusalem and ask a very pointed, specific question. We have seen the star, and we've come to worship the one who's been born king of the Jews. When they posed that question, uh, the Bible says that not only was King Herod deeply disturbed, but all of Jerusalem was too. We always point the, the finger at Herod. He is the bad guy, make no mistake. But it disturbed everybody when they showed up. And another thing about the nativity scene, yes, there were three gifts, but it was probably more than three wise men. It was probably a big old caravan of them. They were bringing valuable gifts that were worth a lot of money. It was dangerous at that day and time to take a trek through the desert to show up. And so they probably had a huge entourage when they showed up into town. People were going, who are these guys? What do they want? And then when they asked the pointed question, we've come to worship the one who's been born king of the Jews, it upset everybody. It disturbed everybody because they didn't understand what was going on. Well, what I want to look at today is the sign, the, 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 the whole concept of, of these people coming from a long ways off bringing, bringing gifts to a newborn king. The gifts of the wise men teach us four things I want to look at this morning. Number one, that He, Jesus, is worthy of our sacrifice. He is worthy of our sacrifice. You know, you got to think about the travel back then. They didn't have the beautiful uh, parkways and interstates that we have today. They uh, Probably the best form of transportation in that area of the world at that time would have been camel. And there's only so much you can do in a day's time, and then you have to quit. 
And so traveling was lengthy, it was weary, it was dangerous, and, um, and even if they took a camel, it could have took several days, perhaps months most likely, and the journey was uncomfortable, it was inconvenient, it was time-consuming, and yet they sacrificed their time and their comfort to go and find this newborn king of the Jews. You know, Jesus is worthy of our sacrifice. And when we think about Christmas, it's always the most wonderful time of year, but it's also the most hectic time of the year. And I want us to remember this story and the lessons we can draw from it, that Jesus is worthy of our sacrifice. And how has he called you to step out of your comfort zone? You know, they, they didn't miss a blessing. They were expecting something. They were paying attention to the details. They ended up being informed by Scripture, and they went and they worshipped this newborn king that we call the Messiah, Jesus Christ. They were willing to step out of their comfort zone in order to experience a blessing from God. And you and I, if we're going to have a blessed Christmas this year, perhaps God is calling us to step out of our comfort zone as well. Another lesson that the gifts of the wise men teach us is that Jesus is worthy of our faith. He is worthy of our faith. Notice that when they come, they ask the question, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and we've come to worship him. They believed that a king had been born. They believed that the star was leading them to where they uh, went and they were not the only ones, I'm sure, to see that star, but they were the only ones that took action. They didn't stay where they were. They took action. They began to respond to the activity of God around them. They had faith that this was a sign from God announcing the birth of, of Christ, the newborn king. And once they began, uh, once, they, once they got to Jerusalem and, and heard what the uh, Scripture says, because, you know, everybody's disturbed, so... King Herod assembles all the chief priests and the scribes, in other words, all the religious leaders, and he asked them plainly, where is the Christ going to be born? And they told him. They knew it right away. It was, it was a simple answer to a simple question. It said, in Bethlehem of Judea, because this is what is written by the prophet Micah in Micah 5, 2. And you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, but because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So they knew the answer, but they literally couldn't connect the dots. Now, what I love about this is the example of faith. It was by faith that they acted on what limited information they had to take the trip to Jerusalem. And then they asked the question that they've got to have an answer to. And once Scripture informs their question of where does this king, where is he born? Bethlehem, five miles south, they immediately began to pursue that aim, that objective. And when they did, the Bible says this right here. It says uh, in verse 9, Matthew 2, after hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen in its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. So they saw the star and they took off on this long trip. And then there's no mention of the star. Matter of fact, they end up going to Jerusalem, which is the capital of Israel. So, uh, And then when they leave, all of a sudden there's the star again, implying that they started out seeing the star and then they didn't. And so it shows their faith that evidently in the middle of the, of the journey, they didn't see the star for a while. 
which is why they went to Jerusalem, which is the capital city, asking questions and asking the question, where is this newborn king? We saw his star and we followed it. But at the end of the journey, God revealed the star again, and it led them exactly to where he was. What an amazing star, right? You'll have to look that up. It wasn't a comet. It wasn't a nova. Uh, Many believe it it was a uh, conjunction of how things lined up. And then you go, well, how did it stop? Well, again, I've never been a good science person, and if I try now, I'm going to mess it up, okay? But you can study it, and there are explanations, natural, logical explanations for that. I'll just tell you to check that out yourself. But anyway, moving on, I'm reminded of what the Scriptures say in Hebrews 11. It says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. And you know what? That's exactly what these wise men did. They had faith. They acted on the limited knowledge they had, and they began to pursue this newborn king. And then when they began to ask questions, Scripture informed Uh, them with answers, and they immediately took action, and they lived out this journey of faith. He is worthy of our faith. This Christmas, are you and I willing to step out on this journey and trust God? Uh, Their life is full of moments where you and I have to trust God. We have to trust Him day by day, one step at a time. And these wise men show us that that's possible. Even when you have limited information, even when you started out with some clarity and you get in the middle of the journey and what happened to the star? Should we stop? Should we go back home? Did we quit? Did we miss it? No, they acted on what they knew. God gave them more information when they needed it and He led them right to the newborn king. The gifts of the wise man teach us that he's worthy of our sacrifice, he's worthy of our faith, and number three, he is worthy of our worship. Uh, Notice here that when they finally find the Christ child, it says here that in verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. After that long trip, after that long journey, it wasn't let me tell you who I am and how far I've come. None of that. As soon as they get there, there he is, bow down and worship. That says it all. That says it all right there, that he is worthy of our worship. Their action was very simple when they showed up. They bowed the knee and they worshipped Him. And they presented Him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, Some scholars say that gold points to His royalty, worthy of a king. Frankincense points to His divinity, and myrrh points to His humanity. But they came and they worshipped Him. It's a preview of coming attractions, really. In Philippians 2, we are told that God has exalted Jesus and given Him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is pointing pointing to the future. One day when it all comes to an end, Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But when Christ came into this world, guess what? It took these wise astrologers, these wise men, these magi that I believe had been influenced by the writings of Daniel 
and they knew that there was a, a Jewish Messiah that would one day come, and they acted on the limited information that they had and the things they seen, and they were not disappointed. They came from the east, and what happens? When they come to the house where the Christ child was, they bow their knees, and they worship Him, and they bring gifts. What an amazing story of worship. You and I today, as we approach this time of Christmas, let us not forget that it is a time of worship. Why? Because He came. He lived. He died. He rose again. He ascended to heaven. And praise God, someday He's coming back. Then I'm reminded also in Revelation 7, a prophecy of of the future. It says, John in his vision said, After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And we know that Jesus is the Lamb of God. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and along with the elders and the four living creatures, they fell face down before the throne, and they worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. You know, one day we are going to worship, but we don't have to wait. We can get some practice in now. And the uh, wise men, they demonstrated that as well. The gifts of the wise men, they teach us he's worthy of our sacrifice. He's worthy of our faith. He's worthy of our worship. And lastly, Jesus is worthy of our obedience. There in Matthew 2, verse 12, look what happened. Now we know that Herod wanted to know why they were there. He was very disturbed. I mean, here he is. He's the one on the throne. And to hear that a a new king has been born, he wanted to snuff out a future threat to his power and to his throne. And so he doesn't disclose his motives. He begins to inquire of the prophets and the religious people, where is the Messiah to be born? They immediately answer, it's in Bethlehem. All he needs to know now is the time. And so he begins to talk to the wise men and he secretly summons them in verse 7. And he says, when did this star appear? He wanted to know. He wanted to know. He wanted to narrow down the time frame. And then after he sent them off going to find the child, it says there in verse 12, and being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. And, you know, uh, after that, we find out in verses 16 and following that when Herod realized he had been outwitted, that these magi, these wise men, did not come back to Jerusalem to tell him what happened. He flew into a rage, and he, he sent his, his men to uh, Bethlehem, and they killed all the, uh, the newborns and toddler uh, ba- ba- male babies that were up to two years old because he wanted to remove any kind of threat to his power and his throne. But there in verse 12, it says, being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, these magi, these wise men, returned to their own country by another route. Now that is an example here of God leading them. And they could have come up with their own excuses, but they didn't. They simply obeyed what they knew. And and that's the thing. You and I many times... We make obedience so complicated 
when it's not. You and I must surely know, as the hymn says, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. When we trust God and when we obey Him, we can leave the consequences and the results to Him. And so simple obedience really is simple obedience. We decide to do the thing that God tells us to do, whether we understand it or not, whether we like it or not, we simply do what He wants us to do. And this simple obedience in this story of being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, and they didn't. They went back to their home country by another route. That simple step of obedience, that gave time for Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus to leave that dangerous environment. And they ended up going to Egypt. And when Herod showed up with his cavalry and Bethlehem, they were long gone. They were safe and sound. And so what an incredible story of how God is working through all of these events and all of these experiences to send His Son into the world so that He ultimately can grow up and He can lay down His life so that all of us can be saved. What an awesome story of hope the Christmas story is. But today as we look at the signs of Christmas, today as we look at the role of these magi, these wise men, I want you to catch the message that they were paying attention to what was going on in the world. They were informed by ancient writings, I believe, like Daniel. And they had limited information and knowledge, but they applied it to faith. And they decided to take the steps and say, He's worthy of sacrifice. He's worthy of our faith. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our obedience. And we are now going to follow the star. We're going to go wherever it leads, and we're going to find this newborn king of the Jews that's supposed to give hope to the world, and we are going to worship Him. And these Gentile people, which uh, I can make an argument that they could have been Jews, it's fascinating to study the history of this. No one really knows, but I really do believe that um, the Daniel, the, the prophet in the Old Testament, had a major influence in this area. But they came, and they were more informed than the people in Jerusalem that were upset at this entourage asking crazy questions. But they came and they acted on what they believed. And when they came and encountered the Christ, they worshipped Him. And it's my prayer today that this won't be just another old Christmas that you can say, oh yeah, it was good, had a good time with family, had some good gifts. You know what makes Christmas special? It's that He's the reason of the season. It's the birth of Jesus Christ, that God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son that came into this world and He came to save humanity. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. And He is our King. And that's why He is worthy of our sacrifice. He is worthy of our faith. He's worthy of our worship and obedience. And so I want to say to you today, where are you? in your journey with God. I can remember when I became a Christian, I had all kinds of questions. And you know what? Quite frankly, I still do have some questions. You know, I, every time I talk to someone that's walked with the Lord for a long time, when the subject comes up, we all have questions. We can't wait to ask God when we get to heaven. But the older I get, I've come to the conclusion that once I see Jesus, you know what? It really won't matter 
and I won't care at that point. But I will say this, when I came to know Christ, as I was struggling with some things and God was dealing with me and I was looking at you know, the big picture and everything, I can remember my friend saying, Corey, it's okay to believe even if you, you know, don't have all the answers to your questions. And I really go back to that in my experience, but also look at this story here. Here are the Magi. Whatever they knew, they knew, but it was a limited, you know, like they didn't show up saying, oh yeah, we know exactly where he is. We've used GPS. We got his address. They didn't know all that stuff, but they knew one thing. They knew there had been a, a newborn king of the Jews. And because of that core belief, because of their faith, they came to Jerusalem asking questions. And once their questions were answered from Scripture, they didn't debate it. They didn't disagree with it. They simply said yes, and they acted on it. And today I want to ask you, where are you in your journey with God? Maybe you've had questions. Maybe you've had questions for a long time. And, and maybe God is speaking to you. And He's saying, I want you to realize that I... I am the Lord, that I, that I love you, that I, that I made you, that I created you. And even though this world is in a mess, I came into this mess and I laid down my life so that you could be saved. And now it's up to you and I to say, wow, what an awesome God we have. Are you willing to step out in faith and trust this awesome God that loves you, that sent His Son to die on the cross for you? Maybe today you need to take that first step and simply trust and obey God and realize what He has done for you and me. Wherever you are in your journey, it's my prayer today that you won't do what the others did. I mean, if you look at this story, there's several players. But the Magi, they take action. They take action and then they find Him and they worship Him. The religious leaders, they knew the answer to the question. Oh, it's Bethlehem. But the story doesn't tell us anything, but it implies they didn't go. They simply answered the question, gave the Sunday school answer, sat down and stayed home. Today, you can sit there and say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. I've always gone to church. I'm okay. But have you ever come to a point in your life where you say, you know, I get it now. He loved me. He died on the cross to save me. And now He's calling me to step out and trust and follow Him. You've got to put faith to it. You've got to live it out. Wherever you are in your journey this morning, it's my prayer that you will respond to God. You see, the good news is that God became man in Jesus. He lived the life that you and I should have lived. He died the death that you and I deserve. He took our place. On the third day, He rose again. He proves that He is the Son of God. And He offers the gift of eternal life. It's a gift. It's not for sale. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. And none of us deserve it. But it's a, it's a gift that He's willing to give you if you're willing to receive it this morning. All you have to do is trust and follow Jesus. Today, you can do that as we stand, as the musicians come. This is our time of invitation. This is the time that God wants you to respond to Him. And it's my prayer this morning that if you've never
took that first step to trust and follow Jesus. It's my prayer. It'll start right now. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon Him in the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means you need to call on His name and you need to ask Him to come into your life. You might say, that's great, Brother Corey, but how do I do that? Let me give you an example. There's a story in the Bible about two men who went to church, a Pharisee and a publican. And one guy, he looks around, he goes, God, I give you a tenth of all I have, and I do this and I don't do that, and I'm glad I'm not like that man over there. And he really wasn't praying to God, he was talking about how good he was. The the publican, he came into church that morning, and he was humble, he was broken, he refused to even look up to heaven, He beat his chest and he said, Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. You know what? Jesus says that guy went home justified. Or to put it in our terms, that guy went home saved. He knew who God was, and it wasn't him. And he knew he was a sinner, and he knew he needed to be saved. This morning, I want to model a prayer for you. Uh, if you've never asked God to come into your life, it starts right here, right now. All you have to do is say, God, I know that you are God. I know that I am a sinner. And Lord, I believe that you sent Jesus Christ into this world. I believe he died on the cross. He rose again on the third day. And Lord, I want to come and trust and follow you. And you know what? It's not the words. It's not some magic formula. But when you know who He is and what He's done and you're willing to come to the foot of a bloodstained cross and ask Him to come into your life, He will. He he won't be denied. He won't cast you away or cast you aside. He'll come to live within you. And then you'll have Christ, the hope of glory inside. No one will have to tell you you're saved. I won't have to tell you. Your mom and daddy won't have to tell you. A Sunday school teacher won't have to tell you. Because when you're saved, the Holy Spirit inside of you will let you know that He lives right here. And so right now, I want to ask you, if you've never prayed that prayer of salvation, right where you are, just simply say, Oh Lord, I need You. Lord, come into my life and save me. I believe that You love me. I believe You died on the cross for me. Take my life. I'm yours. And He will this morning. Right where you are. We're fixing to sing. And we're fixing to uh, bring our offerings to the Lord as well. Here in a moment, the, the ushers will come and take that up. Fill out this next steps card. Let us know what God's saying and how we can come along and encourage you and help you take your next steps. Meanwhile, this altar's open. If you want to come and pray, Or if you want to come and talk, we're right here. But the main thing is, I I want you to be like the wise men, the magi. Take action. If you say you believe, then put some feet to it. Don't just give the Sunday school answer and sit down and go home. Take action. Step out and trust God. Follow Christ today as we sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.